This show is about nothing and everything at the same time. We are a diverse group with our own ideas and experiences, which in no way is meant to represent an absolute truth. We know nothing. The three of us have our own biases, experiences, and are just looking to pursue deeper understanding. We're bound to make mistakes in our pursuit of shared wisdom. You're invited to learn along with us. What is up, Hermes crew? Welcome to our Tribes Take Two. Uh, during Take One, we looked at our individual tribe, who we relate to, and how we look, kind of see ourselves in the world. This one, we're looking at how we connect outside of ourselves, who we prescribe to, the people that we like around us, who, how we see our tribes in that sense. Uh, in a couple of weeks, we're going to look at tribes in the sense that how do we come together as different tribes and collaborate and work together and, and make something grand out of that space, right? A lot of times we like to isolate and, uh, and, and segregate. How do we come together and integrate and, and create something magnificent in that space? Uh, we want to include you in this conversation of tribes. Please share on our website at hermesrepair.com or a lovely place would be Facebook, um, Hermes Repair on Facebook as well. Check us out there uh, and, and share who, what, what tribes are you a part of? What groups do you prescribe to and, and share and, and collaborate with other people? Talk to other people. Um, we'd love to talk to you on there as well. So allow us to create a community where we're able to collaborate and share with one another and um, give feedback and hear fe your feedback on our podcast and include you in the creation of this space, right? We thank you for your listenership and your ability to uh, be a part of this podcast as a, as a listener. We want to take and understand what you want to hear. So share with us. HermesRepair.com, there's space there. Facebook, Instagram, let us know there. Twitter. Uh, we hope that you have a lovely week, a lovely holiday season as we prepare. Just find a way to also at the same time find peace and calm in, in your day today. Thank you for listening again and enjoy. Last episode we talked about the history of tribes within ourselves, right? The individual uh, looking at kind of pop culture in a way, but then... Uh, how we see ourselves, each of us, in, in also identifying tribes as uh, groups of people that are together in likeness, right? Uh, you have families, you have politics, you have uh, sports. Uh, we looked at just wider things. And then also uh, we looked at look things at a micro scale and a macro scale. So this week we're going to talk about it in a grander kind of uh, look at tribes over time in the span of time and then kind of corporately now how we how we look at times because in a lot of ways corporations uh, are a big part of how we live and who we choose to support branding wise and other things so new you you talked about this a lot branding wise especially um, kind of how do you see tribes coming into play with um, just marketing and corporations? There's a lot of things, especially if you look at like um, specific, specifically, if you want to look at me using me as um, kind of an example, right? Um, there's a lot of uh, different things that I kind of subscribe to and then also identify with. 
um people would kind of like immediately see that i like i really like old school cartoons so i'm obviously kind of subscribed to that idea of like the old school rubber hose stuff the little gloves um also that like the the classic um tennis shoe which is either a converse or or um you know from uh sandlot you're also looking at the also the uh the pf flyers right so you're looking at the pf flyers or or the um, Converse, obviously Converse are older, right? So then I subscribed to these certain things and as far as they became an identifier of who I am. Um, and even in my car, I have a little Chuck Taylor hanging from my rear view with a little Mickey Mouse glove. It's kind of become an identifier of my identity. Um, and then like as far as from other things from that, I go into other things. Like I'm also a supporter of certain pop culture characters i'm also a supporter of like other things that are just like movie genres sports um we kind of touch based on like i'm um, also have allegiance to sacramento and to california on a on a on a on a like a on a more united states level and there's a lot of other, like and i'm also a big fan of like american cartoons american like uh like american comic books american cinema i'm, I'm kind of like very much kind of a part of my who I am and what I like and then I realized that like when we were getting into this I felt like I like you know when we start talking about it at the beginning it started kind of opening my eyes to like I am just being super prejudiced against other things and it started opening my eyes up to being more open like to be more curious about other things that I just didn't like because it wasn't from from my youth or from what I was familiar with this started like opening my eyes to other things, like being more open to other cinema, other other genres of stuff, other books, other philosophy, other places, um, other stories. And um, so I'm trying to break that. But it, like naturally, like if you're not aware of it, it's really, really hard to like notice that's what you're doing. Um, so when it comes to the tribal aspect, I do I do also um, on a on, as far as like the converse goes. Or the PF Flyers glow. I'm also, um, you know, I'm, a, I'm very much an Apple person. I'm also like, there's a bunch of different consumer goods that I kind of just gravitate towards, you know, like Honda, like my car is a Honda, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. And every year I kind of like every time or not every year, but every time I have to get a car, I don't like buying cars. But if I did buy a car, I'd probably get another Honda because it's I have it forever. I've had it forever. Um, and it, and it's very minimal for me to have to work on. I'm very, I'm very like Spartan-esque when it comes to stuff. I don't like to, I don't buy fancy things. I just like things that work, um, for a long time, you know? Um, but anyways, but, but that's because of that whole thing. I'm kind of gravitated toward uh, those kind of consumer things and I, I tend to stick with them. Um, and I think there's a, there's a level of comfortability there and also a level of just, um, repeating what I'm doing because it seems normal. It doesn't mean it's right. It doesn't mean it's wrong either. You know? Um, so I think when we look at it, I think we're like the consumer side of it, it really just becomes an identifier of who you are and what you're comfortable with. And then on the marketing side, like marketing side, it can just get, it can get really dark. Like, I think, like, me and Tao talked about, which I'll probably, like, throw it over to her to talk about how we looked at, how you look at the idea of marketing um, certain tribes based on, um, like, Tao, I think, gave a quick example of Nintendo versus Sega. And also, we can also look back from when we were younger, how um, Apple came to be by going against uh, <clears throat> the, of what they did to make um, PCs into a character to basically like to, to be able to topple that whole 
situation by creating are, are not creating but marketing to a tribe that they didn't that that didn't exist they were kind of making it as as they were doing it you know go ahead Tao. yeah so your example about nintendo and sega um i recently watched a new netflix docuseries on video games called high score and one of the episodes actually focuses on the rise of Sega because prior to that, there was Atari that came and went and then Nintendo was just the main home console. Like no one can beat Nintendo. So Sega comes along and they decide that they want to join this battle and they have a very simple five-step plan. And the last two steps of this plan, they're separate steps, but they're basically kind of the same in that they are, like New said, forming a tribe. Step four is to make it look cool for teens. And so Nintendo was a very, and still is, a very family-friendly console. And so their marketing plan was to go away from that, you know, to create games like sports games, but also Mortal Kombat and to create commercials that say like, this isn't, you know, a kid's console. This is a cool console. This is for the the big kids. And the idea is not only would you make teenagers want to separate themselves from this children's category, but in a way you are actually marketing to kids also because kids tend to look up to their older siblings or they like to try to be older than they are. So if they see that this is something that is being marketed towards an older group, they're going to try to join in. And then finally, step five was make fun of Nintendo. So again, creating this segregation between groups and it's no longer just an overall love of video games. It was either, you know, you like Sega or you like Nintendo. You couldn't be both. Um, they would even actually plant people in college campuses to be like the Sega guy. And this person would just be wearing, you know, maybe Sega gear, but they would have a console and their job was just to plug this console into a TV wherever and just play and look cool and look like you're having fun and then get other people to crowd around you and want to play Sega also. Man, that sounds so not cool right now. <laughs> I would love my job just to be going around and playing video games. Yeah, I would never finish them though. Well, you don't have to watch me finish. I only have to play for maybe like ten minutes yeah, at a time. Yeah, no, no. So I so that formula and it obviously worked, right? Because we're looking at um, Sega no longer really exists. They've just they just develop video games now. Um, they lost console. They no they no longer no. do things. But but that, that season moment, they actually beat Nintendo yeah, in sales during that moment in time. They probably destroyed them, right? And then um, yeah. so we're looking and then we're looking at like uh, at that moment in time they they were the, they were one of the top two, right? They become they became the Pepsi of the like Coca Cola, right? So it's like they became that by using that marketing plan in order to split the division. Because even when bringing up Coca-Cola and Pepsi, you can also look at how they've done things, right? You look at, like, from the very beginning, Coke has always been very classic, very just like, oh, we're, this is just for the upper class. This is for, like, the, the this is for just, like, if you look at the 1950s, this is just for the the nuclear family, the white family, the really, oh, yeah. you know. It's Old school very, nostalgia. Yeah, it's a very cool, right? The, like the whole Chuck Taylors, the Letterman jacket, all that stuff. The, the, like, and then um, 
then you can see on the opposite spectrum how Pepsi was able to kind of start commercially introducing the opposite side where they were doing their, 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 their branding was to like a lower class, also colored, using like African-Americans, also using um, Hispanics and a lot of other things that were obviously um, like the opposite of what they were doing. And then when you can kind of go down that line, you can still look at from that point to where we are now that they are still doing that. You're looking at Pepsi using Beyonce, using like Drake, using all these other characters. Um, and then you use Coca-Cola still doing kind of doing exactly the same thing. They've always kind of kept it the same way. Um, they try to kind of they kind of like market it for everyone, not just kind of like not trying to split that whole thing. Um, and then we, then we can, like, as we remember, we can go back into the Apple, Apple versus, um, you know, the Mac versus PC thing, which is basically probably lifted from the Sega Nintendo thing. Cause I think they came first. Right. Yeah. And then, um, you're looking at the same kind of thing where you, you take that thing, you, you create a narrative making, oh, well this, I'm this, this computer here is not for just typing up your reports and doing PowerPoint and doing doing your uh balancing your books and writing reports this is so you can like make music you can make videos you can you know you can do you can build a website you can design stuff you can do art right so it was kind of like marketing into the whole other side of uh the creative the creative realm of what a computer could do obviously they both can do it obviously they probably are not any any more superior than the other but they both can do these certain, they both can do these same things, but they were really hitting hard on the idea that this thing was for the people that are not these nerdy looking guys with glasses that did spreadsheets. And I think that's kind of where it went to the point where um, Apple became Apple, right? And they, because they gave themselves a narrative that made them, um, they, they separated themselves from that. Granted, they still do that stuff. Everything is seems the same, but I think that's when you use you're using that tribal aspect of things to divide the divide divide that thing up and then create something on your own. And that, and since that point, they've still hit that point to be their main point and their main selling point up to today. Well, it's oh, funny yeah. how it's it, sorry, Tao. Uh, it's funny how you see. I mean, we're talking about two different industries that were completely separate in a lot of ways, but are very similar, right? Right. Uh, I mean, computer technology, ultimately, um, and how Microsoft kind of, yeah, they got the PC idea, got, they, they pretty much started it. And then it, they got sidetracked and pushed out by Apple's more intuitive, more kind of sleek design. And they adapted in a lot of ways. And we're talking about Nintendo and that, that how Sega essentially created a chink in their armor and. Uh, you have Sony and Microsoft who come in and, and really are the two dominant consoles now. And and Nintendo's gone to more just handheld devices with like a Nintendo DS or or other things. Um, it's interesting because you, you bring that up and then the Switch looks exactly like the, the, the Sega um, game, game Gear. And so, yeah, they, I mean, they just have to adapt. And so N Nintendo ha has had to kind of backtrack and adapt to find a market that they dominated console wise. And then you have these other companies that have diversified and and found channels that allow them the space to be successful and create um, new markets. I mean, if we look at Sega, one of the biggest things they had was, yeah, sports games. Um, they came out with 2K. And 2K is still very popular. Um, 
I mean, Madden was more, it seemed more of a, uh, a PlayStation, Sony, uh, PC piece. And then it, as things developed, you get like Halo was only on um, Xbox, right? right? And then you right. have you have certain games where if they have if you have that game and that's the game to have, people are buying that console specifically for that experience. I know they get me on that shit all the time. Like, like, <laughs> well, for I mean, instance, like like right now, me I think me and Tao were talking about how the new Avengers game just came out, and then the PlayStation only version. If you buy it on PlayStation, you get Spider Man. If you don't buy it on PlayStation, you don't get Spider-Man. I was like, well, man, they get Spider-Man? Well, shit. They might as well get a PlayStation because all you want to be is Spider-Man, right? That's the, the marketing. You know, like, which, like, we could probably do a whole show on marketing. I'm, like, a geek out about marketing. I think marketing is um, a very interesting thing for understanding um, human behavior. The marketing aspect of things is, is, is uh, crazy to me, especially, like, when you're looking at, like, the gaming industry, which is probably one of the biggest industries in the world. Um, aside from like pharmaceuticals and stuff like that, where you're looking at the, how they, um, certain games will use uh, marketing as a cross promotion between other games in order to market a game from a different company. They will like put Easter eggs in another company that is not the same company to kind of help kind of like let people know that this is coming soon or this is still around. And it's, uh, for me, that's always kind of like interesting when they do things. Like yeah, that. like the weird um, Final Fantasy Easter egg in Assassin's Creed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then not only that, but there's a whole there's a whole cutscene in um, in Assassin's Creed Origins where if you do the side mission, uh, you go to this little pyramid and you go into it and you solve a puzzle and you go inside and it does a cutscene and it was basically the villain from uh, the last Final Fantasy that just came 15? out and he comes in. Yeah, yeah, from fifteen, the guy with the black hat and everything. So he cut. He shows up in that little pyramid like shows up out of nowhere, does this thing, flies up in the air, drops a shield and the sword on the floor and just vanishes. And then you're like, then you walk up and pick those up and they be, they're like basically the strongest sword and arm, uh, sword and shield in the whole entire game. But you're like, you're like, what's, what is going on? <laughs> you're like, you're like, that was the guy, that was the bad guy from Final Fantasy 15. And he just came into this, this Assassin's Creed game, which is not, it's Ubisoft versus like Square Enix, yeah. right? They're not even They're, the they're different company. companies. And also like yeah. Final Fantasy is exactly the same. It is in a fantasy world, whereas Assassin's Creed is supposed to be loosely More based. Logical, yeah, right? like it, but it's loosely based off of history in our own time, in right. our world. Right. And then, so it's, it's just, it just makes, to me, I don't even know what is going on with that and what we're supposed to be getting from that. Cause obviously that can't connect in any kind of way. So you're wondering what is going on. Um, it's still exciting, right? You're looking at that and you think it's cool, right? But you're still wondering what, the, what is going on because uh, the new Assassin's Creed, which is Odyssey has nothing to do with Final Fantasy at all. You know, there's nothing in there. I don't think there might've been something. I don't remember. Um, obviously me and Tower are pretty much <laughs> yeah. video game players. But anyways, uh, so that's like, uh, that's a whole nother topic. But, um, so, but like, but we look at these, this, these different ways of, um, using, we're using these, we're marketing to certain tribes, right? Um, so if you even kind of look at like how I do things, um, you know, like what I do things, I'm not like, even when I do my artwork or do anything like that, cause we can use myself as an example of looking at tribes and also, on, on a semi-level 
creating my own tribe of people that like my artwork and stuff like that. Um, as much as I feel like the fans, um, I use the fans to kind of help me and support me to do what I do. I also like on the opposite spectrum. Also, I like they've helped me develop into who I am. There's a whole give and take thing between my fan base and also my artwork. I don't think either like it's like this. It's this circular thing. Like I can't exist without my fans. And then obviously my artwork doesn't progress without them either. So like it's like a give and take. I can't do do one without the other. And then we look at the whole marketing aspect of it. Um, you know, I tend to try to kind of keep like what we're like what Tao was saying with Sega. I try to keep my stuff really cool. I try to keep it sleek, and I also try to speak to a certain individual um, that that kind of that mimics who I am, right? So I'm trying to find people that are like minded. I also try to find people that are um, interested in what I'm doing. If like if you like that, like I like this stuff. You like this stuff. I'm trying to create something that we both can like because it's not it's not your dad's like it's not your grandpa's Batman. This is like this is like something new and something that I like that I would like to see. And um, because nobody else is willing to do it, so I'm willing to try it. And I'm luckily I'm able to know people that are willing to also support me for doing that. And I think that's a whole nother um, tribal aspect of marketing. As long as you kind, as long as you can kind of be honest about it. Right? Well, you're you're talking about something that ebbs and flows and develops and changes and grows, right? I mean, it's like this living organism, living organism. Yes, yes, totally, totally. Um, yeah, because like I try things, right? Like it's like for me, I use and then and then I'm not trying to be like uh, I'm not going to try to say this in a bad way, but also like in a, you have to understand from like you what you're saying from a from a growth um, from a place of growth and also of constantly moving. Um, you always have to try new things. And I feel like I constantly, I'm always trying to try new things. I kind of like, I'm, and I, I never feel like, um, I know there's a lot of artists out there that are ashamed of what they've done in the past um, or hate what they've done in the past. And, you know, and they're part of me uh, used to feel that way. But now I feel like um, those were all just like growth periods from like me becoming something else. Like I had to go through those certain things in order to become what I am now. And then right now I have to constantly keep being aware of what works and what doesn't work. And luckily I have a fan base that's willing to tell me if those things are not working or they are working. And then, um, you know, and if they're not, then I try something else. Like luckily I'm able to have people that are willing to be honest with me and, and especially my fans and able, and then when they're honest with me, like, well, like, like I put something out, nobody likes it. I'm like, okay, cool. Well, that didn't work at all. So I got to do something else. Yeah. And then I think that's the, the honesty that I'm willing to like think about myself and also understand that this is my audience. And then, but also willing to try new things all the time. They're like, oh, I've never seen him do that, but I'm willing to try those things. And I think that's a lot of um, like the give and take of the, this kind of situation of, of a tribe that actually works, right? I want to, I mean, just put a pin in what we're, where we're at right now, because just what you've been talking about since the beginning of you creating your own tribe and then kind of ebbing and flowing, it just made me think of, it, it brought me to think about like, well, any tribe is if you can establish that tribe with some vulnerability and some humility, I, I mean, it brought me to think about, about um, a failed marriage, right? Where that tribe didn't have um, pieces in it that, that were healthy, right? And um, it's critical to have a healthy tribes. It also brought me to that, the thought that if you're not growing, you're, you're declining. You're, if you, if you try to stay stagnant, you're declining. 
Um, you have to kind of pursue and push into space where you are a- approaching uncomfortable surroundings to challenge yourself to transform into something greater. And, and a lot of that, what you've done, I mean, you look at some of your earlier work um, to now, I mean, like it's, it's transformed, right? I hope, I hope so. Right. It's one of those things where I'm always constantly hoping that I like every day, like I, every day I try to um, try different materials, try different things. Um, And yeah, it doesn't always work. Sometimes it does work. Sometimes it doesn't. And I think like, uh, but long as I'm willing to always kind of be willing to risk um, to try something new, I think that is, that is learning. And I, and that's what I try to do. Um, you know, and I'm hoping I'm improving, um, day to day and learning something new every day to day. And I think, um, but yeah, dude, like when it comes to marriage, I also had a failed marriage as well. Um, and in relationships, it's the same kind of thing. You look at a tribal, your tribe, um, your family tribe is, is, it's, it's an interesting thing because like, just like you said, with the growing of the growing and changing of my personal, like professional tribe, you're also looking at the changing and growing of your also your your um, your family tribe as well, um, whereas things things happen, man, things change. And, and it's not always fair and it's not always easy. And sometimes it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't work like and then and that's that's the really the sad part of it. And then um, and maybe I was too young and I was too immature, maybe like on the vice versa, maybe she was a little bit like she wanted to be free. Maybe she was a little captured and or vice versa. Like it doesn't really matter. But these these things you have to like you'd have to either change to meet that. Or you stay the same and then it, and, it, and it just goes away. Or somebody's just unwilling to even want to try, right? So, like, because they're already done, like, oh, I'm done. There's nothing you can do, right? And there's nothing you can do. And then I think that's, like, one of those things where you have to just accept those things. Like, what I did and I think what you did, Spence, is just try to understand that, yeah, I have a lot of work to do in that. And then, and then try, to, try to take what you learned from the last one. And try to move forward in a way where you're making those those holes that you had, you're willing to fill them with the stuff you you learned from the last one. I think that's all we can yeah. do. I know, you know, and I think that's the tribal aspect of everything is to, and I think that the, I think the whole purpose of the tribe thing, what I think we all agree on is the idea is when we look at a tribal aspect, whether, whether it is commercial, whether it is consumer, whether, whether it is family, whatever it is, your sports team whatever that but we're willing to understand when these things are toxic enough when we like don't we like they're no longer good for us well you hope right <laughs> and that's the problem is willing to admit that right and willing to admit and see it and that's what i'm trying to do because i i've I, there's tons of stuff that i'm still having a certain bias on um some are fun and some are obviously just really terrible biases and I, i'm trying to work on them and think about them right okay so i'm going to give you guys a really quick um story <laughs> that happened to me last week or not a few days ago. And it's like a really, really weird biasy that I um, naturally had. And I think it's pretty honest. So uh, I, <laughs> I was really hungry and I went to eat it like a Chipotle. Uh, I got into Chipotle, got in the line and I was going up there and I just like was doing my thing. Um, and I, <laughs> I was on, uh, don't judge me, but I was just testing, I was testing stuff out. Um, meaning, I was like on a, I was like on a three day fast. So I didn't eat for almost three days. I didn't eat at all for almost 70 hours. Jeez. 
because I just thought it was it was just I just wanted to see what it would I just wanted to see. <laughs> so, uh, granted, it was fine. I felt fine. Nothing really happened. It was just the kind of an interesting kind of um, thing. I, I think I've gone longer than that in a long go, but I do it every once in a while just to kind of clear my head. Also, um, see what happens, stuff like that. Obviously, nothing happened. That was fine. Uh, even then, I wasn't like running in the doors to go fucking eat everything in in this thing. We waited in line, but which is interesting. What I what I've learned from that day was very very interesting, um, and it's kind of it's, and kind of embarrassed as well. So I was in line. I ordered my food. Um, I noticed this guy behind me. He was like wearing a red shirt. Um, he was obviously homeless. I didn't really get a good look at him. I kind of just saw him from the side of my eye. Uh, and I want walk forward more in that you know everybody he wasn't wearing a mask, which is also kind of weird for us right now. Um, so I was also kind of weary of that, especially with like one of my daughters being very um, susceptible to getting like problems like that. I get I get a little weirded out about it. So I didn't do anything. I just was trying to sidestep the situation, you know, like be a little step ahead of it. Um, and then I was we were going and I and I ordered my food. He comes up, like, kind of saddles up next to me, and I felt very uncomfortable. <laughs> so, and then I didn't really look at him at all, and then I kind of keep stepping over more, order my food faster and stuff. And I look over, and the dude is, like, he's not okay. Like, he's, like, I think he he went through some kind of fire. So he was all messed up. His, like, one of his hands was kind of backwards, and uh, he was, his skin was all what you call his face is this. And he didn't have his mask on because he couldn't talk. And he started talking and it was drooling all over the place. And my natural instinct was to get the fuck out of there as fast as possible. And that's what's embarrassing because I, I, I realized after I left there, I just was embarrassed because like it was more so like it was like self-preservation over actually realizing what was really happening. And I was like sitting there just going like, why can't I just be more sympathetic or be more understanding of a situation like that instead of just thinking about myself? And like, and now obviously my own, I was thinking about my own tribe and my own family and my own well-being over somebody who's obvious, his life was obviously way harder than mine. Well, and I didn't really, I wasn't able to really look at that and see that until I left. And then I, I, dude, I thought about that all day. I thought about it all day after I left. I, I came home, I thought about it. Driving home, I thought about it. And I just didn't, like, I was this weird thing that I couldn't get my out of my head. Like, it was like, what if I, like, what if I get sick? What if I, what if I, da, da, da. Like, there was all these things and it was all super selfish. No, nah, you know? I mean, it's not, though. Because what you're, you're, you're not worried about yourself. <laughs> you're worried about your daughter. And <clears throat> Right, but it's also like, it's just, I don't know. I just, there's this weird thing inside of me that just felt like really torn and really shitty. Well, you're you really, know? you're really close to your daughters. And I can see why you feel guilty because in your mind, your daughters are an extension of yourself. So, I mean, I could see that it's hard for you to see that you're not being selfish because you weren't doing it for you. You were doing it for them. But at the same time, because they are basically your whole world like doing it for them is basically doing it for you um yeah i it's, and i don't think anybody's gonna feel like feel like that i did the wrong thing right but i i felt bad about it and then like you know and i wrote it down i, I kind of had to keep a journal and i wrote it down um 
thing is I to try to I like and for my own like peace of mind in order to kind of get it out I had to make sure that I am more aware of those situations where there's something that like like for instance man I could have just bought his food like those type of things right and then I didn't have to fucking stay there that long I didn't have to talk to him yeah those like those are things that I am trying to like pinpoint and look at like as a, as a situation where yeah I don't have to do much I could have just done something well there's right and, yeah, there's two, and then those, those are like, but it's it's hard. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to like, I'm not trying to, but it was, I was just sharing it because it was a, it was a weird thing that happened a few days ago that I couldn't get out of my head, like, and I just felt like I felt awful about it, but I also felt, um, you know, like I also felt like guilty about it. Then I also felt like I did the right thing. It's like this. That's what I'm saying. It's like this weird thing where you get these cycles of like, um like you're protecting your family you're protecting your daughters you're protecting this and then but then also you're also unwilling to see that somebody somebody else somebody also has a way harder than you and you're not even willing to like you're not even willing to make us like try well i i think the issue is that you know what we feel or we try to um describe is something that's very black and white right you either feel good or you feel bad but there's a lot of gray in between and just like with tribes and you know looking at people who are them versus us there there's more to it than just saying like oh that is a mac person or that is a pepsi person but at the same time like we as human beings we try to simplify things we try to put things in categories that make sense because there's just so much for us to try to absorb, to try to understand. I mean, I think that a lot of times our emotions become jumbled because this categorization doesn't match what is actually happening in the real world. And it doesn't really match exactly what it is that we feel because our emotions are responding to the entire spectrum of what's happening and not just the black and white. Yeah, well, then we look at, but then, yeah, and I, I agree with you. It's just that, like, I think when we look at, like, 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 we're looking at, like, this story that I'm telling is not just a story of, like, a day out of my life. It's also a story of understanding. It's like, a, there's a social, there's a social acceptancy tribe as well as a so, socially not accepted tribe at all. And that is people, like, that, are, that don't have anything versus the people that do have stuff. Well, right, and then and then and then there's always going to be that, no matter no matter how far we're in the future, no matter far how back we look in the past, there's always going to be somebody that has something and somebody that doesn't have anything. Well, and the big piece is, I mean, there you, you there's two sides of this, right? You, there's the micro scale of tribes, and then you're looking at the macro scale of tribes, right? You're looking at your own family unit, which is the one place that everybody's going to look like. As we're talking tribes, that's everybody's tribe. That's that's right. their family, the family that they were born from. And and sometimes people break away. I mean, like you break away from your family tribe or you stay with your family tribe. It just depends on the experiences that that tribe brought to your life and your existence. And then you have the, the, the wider scale and looking at all like everything that's going on in the world today. Right. With just um, all the social in, injustices in across the board. Um, you look at people looking, I mean, like you, what you're doing right now is, is exactly what needs to be done. It's looking at tribes on the macro scale. It's saying like, well, what could I have done in that, in that situation, creating awareness that it allows you hopefully in the future to be able to make decisions that allow you to broaden your tribe, 
bring somebody in that, I mean, maybe you don't have any more contact with them, right? Like I was at Winco the other day and this lady's like, like you guys don't take credit cards. And it's like, no, Winco never takes credit cards. First time you shopped here. (laughs) And I'm like, I got it. Right. Like, I'm like, like, I'll just put it on, put it, I'll put it on my card. Like, here we go. Like she's like talking about running out and I'm like, it was, it wasn't much. And it's just like, it didn't matter in the grand scale, in the grand scale. Yeah. But it's like moments like that or there's been moments where it's like somebody's looking for a bus ticket and it's like I have a bunch in my wallet and they're about to expire or I just I'm, I don't take the bus that often. And I'm just like, here, here, have all these. Um, it's moments. Yeah. It's moments. Yeah. And in the future, there might be somebody that you're very uncomfortable with and you're just like, hey, I got I, I can do something for him. I'm not going to necessarily kick it with him because I yeah. you, that yeah. wouldn't be a good thing either. But I can yeah. I can I can cover this for him. Yeah, and that's that's the thing that I think I let I let the, like you know ideally I let social the social the social thing and also what's happening in current events and also a little bit of fear all kind of like make my like make the decision for me without even thinking right so that that was like this weirdly the aspect of this tribal thing we have in our heads is that these this 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 the decisions I made were instinctual like they just they were just natural for me that make these decisions without even thinking like based on like these certain, like the no mask, the drooling, the, the kind of like the spitting while he's talking, all this other stuff. It just naturally went to what our, where our current events are to a natural state of fear inside of my head that started kind of just growing. And then also then made the decision for me to get out of there as quickly as I could, which is right. Which is and fair. Like, and then, Right, which is totally fair. But then also on the grant, like the, then once you step back and then you also think about it, and that's where I came into the, like a lot of guilt for me was like thinking about it, and also yeah. still then weighing the options of like I did the right thing, but I also, dude, that 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 is that has got to be really hard, and I'm fortunate to not have to be going through something like that, right? So there's also these other things when you're not, and I'm, not, I'm like I said, like I even I even like journaled about like. Yeah, I don't I don't know what his life is. I don't know understand I don't know the decisions he made. I don't know anything, but based on like what we're looking at on the on the cover, his life is far harder than mine. Right like right now, currently, current like right because we we can't really say what's going to happen in the future, right? So like the ideas we're looking at it like right now at this moment in time, his life was harder than mine. And then um so therefore and I was in the, and I'm in a position where I could have done something and I didn't do anything because I let fear make the decision for me. And that's no different from letting any emotion like anger or anything take you and then make the decision for you. And then I just I like for me, it was like that weird thing. And I think it had a lot to do with, uh, you know, like you said, it was a, the, my family tribe, also society, like the social tribe. Right. Because like it's easy enough to pay for somebody's food that just looks like a normal person next to you yeah. that left their wallet in their car. You're like, hey, just don't sure. worry about it. I got it. It's like, oh, or he or she's like, oh, thank you very much. You're like, don't, don't even trip, right? Because you can talk to them and it's natural. Versus like seeing somebody like this and you're just like, oh man, like I'm my natural ability is to just like run or get out of the situation, get out of the bubble, right? There's a because like all of us have that comfortable zone where you're able to be in somebody's comfortable zone and then somebody that like doesn't have it you know or like the where the zone is like dude you're in my zone you need to like step <laughs> out of my zone you know so so and there's like a lot of that and i you know that i don't i don't want to make anybody feel like 
you know, I just like it was just the story, and I felt like that was, and it kind of, kind of, kind of went into what we're talking about today, and then how we can let these uh, tribal aspects of our belief systems like make decisions without even thinking; they just come natural. And I think that was like a lot of the the point of the story is how natural it was for me to make these decisions without even thinking. One one of the things that I thought of, I mean, as we we even brainstormed this idea of tribes was as this documentary on Netflix. Don't fuck with cats, right? And I mean, um, essentially, I haven't seen it. I know you and Tao have seen it. Well, essentially, there's a guy who creates a YouTube video where he's kind of doing something strange to these cats, right? And then ultimately, um, he ends up like drowning one and suffocating another, and um, and and then doing more to other animals. And you have this this group of people that ultimately spurred them in unity and created a unified front of trying to figure out who the hell this guy was. They were looking at every, they were dissecting every video. They were figuring out like where different things that were, were potentially purchased. Um, like they figured out that like where his location was, they they could, cause there's no, there was no way to tell where this guy was, right? That's the internet. There's, it's like a, it's like, it's, it's beyond the wild, wild west. It's outer space and it can be definitely outer space. So they like, they figure it out and they get, uh, I mean, anybody can be, you don't know who anybody is. Like any account could be just some random person. Right. Right. So there's like just trying to whittle it down. But ultimately, um, this group of people. I mean, just to make long story short, this group of people unified, they discovered like where this guy ultimately was, who he was. They started telling authorities, authorities didn't do anything. He ends up killing somebody. And then finally they, they find where he's at and are able to, um, send, get authorities to get to him. Right. And it's, it's it's just, it's an idea of a a tribe created from nothing, um, or, or, you know, just like a feeling, a belief that, you know what, like what you did to these animals, mutual love of cats, mutual love of cats, or just, I mean, just the, the fact that doing that to another human or like another living being is, was wrong. Right. Yeah. And it was, and so they kind of, go ahead. I was going to say, not only were you just a bunch of strangers that banded together, but they put a lot of work and they basically like they were analyzing every single thing from a blanket on the bed to try to find out who this person was like i think literally one of the clues was a blanket that they then found on ebay yeah and then they like track and try to find who sold it who bought it um and it was just this really powerful feeling this this belief that you know this love for cats um and actually i kind of as a cat lady myself i kind of experienced that today um this episode hopefully by the time this episode airs this fire will be out but there is once again another fire going on here in california um this one more towards southern california um and it was sparked actually by a uh gender reveal and it's burning thousands of acres. And so I saw a news clip of someone who had to quickly evacuate their home and they're still waiting to find out whether or not they can go home, if their home is even gonna be there. And in her interview, she said that there was a knock on the door. They said, get out. She grabbed her wallet, her keys. She left her cats. I don't know why she had to provide that detail, but she said, (laughs) I left my cats and I got out. And the first thought in my head was like, you left your cats? 
you couldn't bad. grab them. You couldn't put them yeah. in the kennel. And then I was like, okay, she's, she's about to lose her home, like calm down. But I kept going back to those cats and I was like, yeah. Yeah. And it still bothers me. So that's like, yeah. So that's like this, like weird, like that's what I'm saying. It's like this weird kind of like uh, social, because like I'm more of a dog person than a cat person. Right. But the thing is, I still, I still, um, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's messed up. I, mean, I don't think anybody would not agree with like any of that. For stuff, me, right? for me, my, my pets are part of my family. Like if our natural disaster plan is I pack the cats and the dog into my car, the boyfriend gets in his own car and I guess packs his computer. Um, <laughs> and those are the things that we carry with us. <laughs> right. So, so when we look at that, like we're looking at, like we're looking at that on the, like the, the, the scale of we're looking at that tribal scale of like, well, yeah, the, the main thing is don't fuck with cats, right? Mm-hmm. Don't fuck with cats, right? Because people love cats. Not only not only people love cats, people love cat videos. I love cat videos. Um, you know, like the thing is, they're, they're, they're an interesting thing. And not only that, but I read and don't quote me, but I read somewhere that um, they have some AI that was able to kind of um, <laughs> that actually knows what a cat is because of how much we love cats because of how much the humans love cats the computer was able to what is the word um was able to kind of go through the internet and then figure out what a cat was all by itself just by going through the internet it was able to kind of figure it all out um which is i think significant in some kind of capacity based on yeah how much the that's people love because cats. cats are very interesting murder machines that basically trained us to accept them and we could definitely do yeah. an episode in the future just on cats. oh yeah because they're like basically if they were bigger they would definitely eat you oh. so like it's like um, they don't need to be yeah. bigger like if you just die <laughs> and no one else is around they will they eventually eat you yeah, no, no, yeah, I agree with um, that. Let's, um, so, yeah. okay, like, Tao, but before we go on anymore, I wanted to kind of, like, like throw at you out of left field. So we just talked about the, like, don't fuck with cats and, like, you know, how that can kind of bind together to create a tribe of its own based on what happened, right? Mm-hmm. So tell me about briefly what happened with uh, um, Trump's rally with uh, versus the K-pop. <laughs> About basically, well, there were actually multiple movements with all the K-pop people, which side note, when talking about tribes, I have found out that um, now that I'm listening to way more K-pop, BTS fans are called the ARMY. And then there's also (laughs) another big K-pop group um, called Blackpink, and their fans are called Blinks. Anyway. (laughs) Blinks and the ARMY. Yes. Okay, we got it. And I, I... you could be in both, but a lot of times people have to decide which one. Anyway, oh, you can't be a part of both. What happens when you? What happens if you find out you're in both? Is it like? Is it kind of like the triad versus the yakuza? Behind <laughs> enemy lines. Is it like the is it bloods in the crypts? Like you can't be on both sides. It's exactly like that. Um, oh my god! I wonder what happens. They like get. They have. I, I imagine dance off battles. Yeah, that's what I was thinking actual, too. Yeah, <laughs> dance actual off. like fighting. It's like a dance off. That would be amazing, actually. Um, <laughs> anyway, we should we should definitely like make that a thing. Uh, but anyway, just K-pop fans in general, what they did was. Trump tried to have a rally in Tulsa. I, I want to say it's the Tulsa one. Um, 
And what happened was he had tickets that you could reserve, I believe, for free online. And that's how they gauged interest for the rally. And so what happened was a bunch of K-pop stands decided that they were going to reserve tickets to this rally. And there wasn't really like an organized, you know, Facebook event, no major announcement. It was just something that kind of just popped up on social media and they just went in reserved seats in droves. And so leading up to this rally, all of you know Trump's campaign managers and Trump himself just kept saying like, oh, this is going to be huge. We're going to have so many people. This entire stadium is going to be filled and we don't think it's going to have enough seating. We're going to have to put a stage outside. He's going to have to give a second speech after the rally to appease all of these fans. And then I think what ended up happening was they filled up maybe at most a third of the stadium. And that's because... Yeah, I heard it was like, there's, yeah. Yeah, yeah and that's because that. these K-pop stands went, reserved these tickets because they were just like, you are a bigot. We don't believe in what you believe in and we are going to humiliate you. And it's not the first time they've done this either. They even took over, I think, the hashtag for White Lives Matter. So like, if you look up that hashtag, instead, it just shows it's like up. BPS people, yeah. right? A bunch of BPS guys. BPS, Blackpink. <laughs> it's just a bunch of little like, gifts k-pop people of just like they, they, they of applied it to all their yeah they applied the, the white lives matter hashtag to all the k-pop videos and everything that was like coming out right yeah and it's beautiful yeah, that, to me that's that's so crazy to have like a tribe like having these tribes like you know like what's fascinating about that story in general is just that it wasn't an organized thing. It was just something that happened. And I think like when me and like Tao first told me about it, I was like, so the only thing I think of is that like they were talking amongst each other. Somebody must have brought it up in some kind of like little form or some kind of thing. And then said like, hey, would it be a really good idea if I just we all just get a ticket and not go? And then everybody was like, ha ha. Yeah, it's funny. And then the guy goes like, I'm going to do it. And then he just, I like, he or she did it. And then they sent it to all their people. And it just kind of, like, spread like wildfire within that community that nobody knows unless you're a part of that community. And then it just caught fire to be able to pull off something of that magnitude is is, is phenomenal and, and crazy, you know, for to have that kind of network, you know. Well, you know what um, this reminds me of um, in some way? It's something that we're all familiar with, uh, which is Comic-Con, in particular San Diego Comic-Con. And, you know, the mass massive lines that just pop up. And so this isn't exactly a tribe per se, but it is a group of people just following each other. And the thing about Comic-Con is that it wasn't, now it's known for camping out for 24 hours trying to get into a room. Um but that Hall H, yeah, Hall just H. to get into Hall H. And the thing is, that wasn't a thing until, um, gosh, what is that? What's that fantasy book series? I'm blinking out on its name. Uh, with the vampires. Oh, Twilight. Oh, Twilight, Twilight, yes. Twilight oh. came to Comic Con, and that was the first time people started camping out because Twilight fans were like, oh, we need to go into this panel. And they started lining up really early. And then after that, it's people were doing that every single it day automatic thing right it just became an automatic thing for hall h to be having the main attraction for whatever the new 
thing was so therefore they just all started doing it every year yeah and but it's also this idea that like the only way to get in is to try to be as early as possible and you know my early days of comic con there were definitely things like lego that i wanted and i'm telling you every single day we had to get in line earlier and earlier because then more people would hear about it and it just got worse as each day went on yeah the, well, the Comic Con, like the well, Comic Con thing, is is it is like a tribe of its own because everybody kind of like is a like minded thing about comic books and then in, in general pop culture, right? So that's the kind of like the like mindedness of that show that makes it um, everybody kind of is pretty. And, and when it comes down to it, that that show has always been super packed, super so many different people from all over the world, and it's always been a really good time like there's never been really any issues there's i have never seen fights break out in the hall i've never seen anything like really really nuts happen that's because you're not standing in any of the lines new yeah well i'm guessing the lines get a little dramatic but you know but i like i i don't but i've never really seen nothing like crazy happen at comic-con it's always been everybody seems to be pretty cool there you know you weren't there for the avengers autograph that was a mess Oh, but yeah, but, you, but how many people were in that? You guys, like, you had to win something to get that. You're like one of the only people that got that that I know. Yeah, I'm, I got pretty lucky there, but it, that was <laughs> that was hectic. Yeah, you should sell. You should sell off your little Mondo. No, it was a regular poster. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, so I won the. It's a collage. It's I think six posters altogether of like the concept art for Age of Ultron. And oh, they, and they all signed every one of them. And all of them signed, except for Robert Downey Jr. wasn't there. And then Scarlett was pregnant, so she wasn't there either. Oh, okay. But you got, man, those are the only ones you want. <laughs> <laughs> I was pretty happy with the Chris's. Oh, the Chris Evans and Chris uh, Hemsworth? Yeah. Yeah. Be, yeah, that's great. And I shook Samuel <laughs> Jackson's hand, so that was awesome. Oh, yeah, that's cool. He should have made him say the, the, the F word. <laughs> Um, let's let's get back on topic now. <laughs> uh, so, all right. So, uh, yeah. So, like, what I think, like, uh, so, what, what do you think, Spence? Because I think, like, when we look at the consumerness, I think how consumers use tribes, how they create tribes, and then not only that, but how, like, you can even see how um, the narratives go to for like city teams. Um, when we go back and we jump into sports, we can look at how they use your city pride. Right. In order to kind of um, dictate which allegiance you are to which team, um, which has always been a thing all the way up until like all the way from organized sports. And you can also see that a lot of that happened in the Olympics. Right. So I'll give you like a quick uh, story that I, I like. I remember the last Olympics where um, Michael Phelps and then the, the the he was like winning all the medals. Right. And then I remember the one thing that he like he he like, purposely lost to give this one kid from China, the medal, um, and it immediately, got, I immediately got mad. <laughs> Who purposely lost? So, huh? Who purposely lost? 
I do. There's this one where I, I'm pretty sure, like Michael Phelps lost to this kid, right? But I don't think I don't thing. think he purposely. Lost. You don't think he did? I don't I thought th- he did. I mean, because the kid was like saying how he was a big fan and all this stuff. There's no and way. He, Michael Phelps lost. He won everything yeah. that year. Everything. He and you're know. telling me you lost to like a 12 year old kid? I mean, he. You know. Okay. So if we're if okay. I mean, I'm a swim coach. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah. That's right. Okay. Good. Right. And you, so he lost. No. I mean, you you wouldn't. Why would you be at that? stage the thing is okay the previous olympics what the 2012 olympics that was the year that that was it everything to him right right that was the year that he went and he won every single medal was a gold medal um i I think what eight medals um and he had a really hard program which means like the way his order of events laid out was really challenging the next year he had taken he retired after that let's remember he retired after that he didn't start training again until maybe like late 2014 2015 and um and i mean he came at it with the same purpose but i mean he didn't have like you got to understand that people are gonna always be kind of like the 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 threshold's always moving forward Right. Right. So, I mean, people look at like basketball and like Michael Jordan's the greatest of all time. Right. That's that's going to be your uh, probably for us in the 90s. It's always going to be anybody that's older is going to say that like Michael's the best. Like if you grew up with LeBron, you're going to say LeBron's the best. But Michael, like I like I will never, ever admit that LeBron is better than Michael Jordan. Ever. I will never never get that out of my mouth. Well, I mean, okay, And and, and there's different lenses to it. Right. I think I mean, I would say, yeah, like. Um, Michael Jordan is like competitive wise, right? Like he is like none other, right? There's nobody that is like him. Okay. Close Kobe Bryant. Right. And then you get, um, then you look at LeBron James and those are really the three in the conversation. But then you also, I mean, we look back and it's like, well, who was who Wilt Chamberlain? Like really what, how, how, if or Bill it, Russell, right? Bill Russell, Bill Kareem Russell, Abdul, right? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Shaquille O'Neal. Right. Yeah. Like e- yeah. each of these players, I mean, like people in football, people are like Tom Brady's the, the greatest of all time, which I'm like, no, no. He's been a part of an organization who like has done it right. Bill Belichick, probably the greatest coach of all time. And and only time will tell, because if, if Bill Belichick continues to be successful as a coach, um, yeah, but ultimately, yeah, yeah, you got me a little. Well, tangent. so tell me, back so to like, swimming. Well, I'm just I don't think you, I, thought, I, I don't. I there's no way I that it. no, because there you 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 everything you you want. He wants every opportunity. He wanted every opportunity to win medals, right? He, yeah, he. Yeah. That's all he was going for. He is not gonna. I mean, he beat Michael Cavage in the hundred butterfly by a, a one hundredth of a second, right? Like he's not right. trying to. There's too many factors to try to be like, oh, I'm gonna let this guy win. Because it was a little kid, and I always thought he was like giving. Was well, he wasn't a little him, right? kid. No little kid is winning Olympic. I know, medal. but I just thought he was like younger. Like he was his he first is. time, right? Yeah, yeah. You he just was, like, think young. he's a lot younger because he's Asian. Yeah, well, well, mate, no, he was his first time though. He was like young. It was like his first like thing yeah, and, and everything. And then um, I just was like, and then I was like, <laughs> I don't know. Like obviously you know more about it, but I immediately got angry. I was like, why you let why you why you let like Chinese kid beat you, man? Well, like, like that's seriously, that, that's like and I was that so parent, mad. Parent on the sideline, like <laughs> yelling at their kid to like yeah. But I mean, it's... well we could okay. So we're looking at I was the point I was trying to stop. Like obviously I wasn't trying to make Spence mad, but I was trying to. Yeah, tell, I'm, I was I'm not mad. 
Oh, I was just trying to say that I had like a, I have this natural tribal instinct when it comes to something I know nothing about, especially when it comes to Olympics, that I want USA to win everything, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that's because I'm from here. And I think that's the, the point of the conversation. It was like, and then the last thing I want is to Michael Phelps to lose to China. That's what like, and then I was, I was like really upset about it. I remember I was in an airport and I, I don't follow it like Spence was following it, but I was like, what, what is going on here? Like, what is this? What, I was like talking to myself and I was sitting and I was just like watching ESPN, like the highlights. And I was like, I was just, I just like, I didn't care how many medals he won. I got mad that he lost that one to China and I was just mad. <laughs> so before we move on, I did yeah. Google it. Yeah. So this race was Michael Phelps' last solo race of his career. And he lost See? to Joseph Schooling, a 21 year old from Singapore. He, he was tired. He was tired. It was his last individual race of his career. He was can't lose. You can't. You got. You can't. Like would Michael Jordan lose the last game of his career? Uh, he did because he was on the Wizards, <laughs> and they didn't do anything after ninety eight. We're not 98. talking about the Wizards. Yeah, but that <laughs> we're talking about the. Count. I mean, yeah, okay, NBA Finals like championship, like yeah, no, he didn't. He won game game six against Utah. And, in 98 yeah. and then that was i it. watched i watched game six yeah see mike doesn't lose his life even that one game right the last game like in last dance where he wore well, the terrible he, shoes that, that don't that hurt his feet he still won that game too right so you're looking at like and that was supposed to be his last game before we played baseball right so like one of those things but um no but like that's what i'm saying how this tribal stuff can like invoke these emotions inside of us that cause um, cause these emotional things to happen, well, even though oh, yeah. we really have Ooh. nothing invested in it. I don't have anything invested in, um, the Olympics or I barely follow it, but I'm in the, when I'm in the moment, I'm watching it and I was like, how are you going to lose like that? <laughs> now, and I'm like, and then, it, then emotionally gets me a little upset and I get mad about it and I have nothing. And I, you know, obviously it's still a part of me cause I still remember it to tell it right now. Right. So it's still one of those things that, um, that, 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 like that, um being a part of you know america and being a, an american citizen and then especially when you're watching the olympics you naturally have these things right and then i think that's like a lot of the storytellings that we go from you know the hockey to the like to the dream team all these other things we have like we have all these emotional investments in because that's kind of what like we've been programmed to do and then i think that's like what we're trying to kind of look at is saying like well is it really that big a deal well like you know okay so i mean like as we're talking it, i'm as a middle school pe teacher you get all yeah. these kids who have opinions on different things right they'll be right. like so and so sucks and this and that and i'm right I, i'm saying tom brady isn't the greatest ever like that's my opinion i i mean i don't think i think he is a great leader and he knows yeah. how to unite people and he, he has done special things in his career but i'm not gonna say one person is like elevated above another in a team sport um that where like there's a lot of things that have to go right Right. Um, well, and you can't do it by yourself, right? Ex exactly. So, because this is not an individual. Well, n life sport. isn't life isn't individual, right? But I just right. um, the the Theodore Roosevelt's "The Man in the Arena" quote, right, where it's like it's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better, right? The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, 
the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumphs of high achievement, and who at the, the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with, with those who cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat, which game or like episode seven at the very end of it of um the last dance right i've i watched it through and then i've watched that episode just the end of it michael jordan's like they're talking just like he has teammates and everybody's like it's hard to be his teammate he just he 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 just ripped our ass all the time right like yeah, he just yeah. he just destroyed us and then michael's like you know what like that's all i know like yeah. he, and, and he and he starts tearing up and to see that emotion in him be like i want i wanted them to s experience the 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 highest of the heights and 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 i had worked like he, the the his trajectory from becoming an nba player to that point in time was everything he had put devoted everything to being the the very best he could ever be and 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 that's the thing we have a very high critic society where a lot of people like the tribe is a lot of times the critic and the tribe really like we need to pull back and be like oh well, are these people um, I mean, like if people were always criticizing your work new, like they're not a part of the tribe and they're not a part of the, the work that is getting you to a place where, um, you, you, where you, you are. Right. So right, that's the right, big well, thing. Yeah. We look at like, and then look, well, cause like we look at like society right now. Right. And then, um, I think a lot of us are guilty of even like I am on, on, on some occasions is the idea of self-exertion is not wisdom. Right. And we're looking at the ideas mm. just because you're yeah. willing to have an opinion on something doesn't mean that um, that you're right. And I think like there's been numerous occasions when I've been um, uh, when I've done that, where I've like I've had a bias on something and or I've gotten emotional or upset about something because I believed it didn't mean it was right. Like and then and then I'm trying to be more uh, being more like quiet and be willing to more take things in and be more observant um, instead of thinking before speaking. And I think a lot of us can kind of, um, we, uh, like a lot of us should probably work on that. Cause like for, for me, I know from my personal life, I, I am trying to be better at that, especially cause I, for my younger self, I was very vocal. I was very, um, I was, I, I came off as very aggressive on some occasions and I've also came off as very, probably like, like I came off very like as much as like a moron and stupid on like when I was younger, like in this industry. Um, and that's fair. Right. But the, the point is being, is not being that now. Like that's, that's, I think that's what we're trying to kind of strive to be better than that. And that's what I'm trying to do. And I think that's what we all should do is be able to kind of just like look at that and just be like, um, because you know, like what I'm saying, it's like, it's hard when we're watching these people online or these YouTubers and all this stuff that just they're used, they're just, they're confident enough to be like, have so many followers that because just because you have so many followers doesn't necessarily mean that your opinion means anything, but yeah. yet because but because of their the constant reinforcement that they are having this many people watching them makes them believe that what they're saying is actually true and i think that's where a lot of our um problems especially in these tribal aspects are coming from but like like but like if you look at the like when i read these books about um the old champions of old right there was this, this interesting thing that i think um muhammad ali uh or during that time it was cassius clay but cassius clay was able to kind of he went on to uh, um, an interview 
before he was actually, you know, who we know and who we all love and, um, and seen. Uh, before any of that, he was he did this thing with a, a wrestler and the rest they were they did this like interview together and the wrestler was doing the whole like yelling around saying i'm the best i'm the prettiest all this stuff right and everybody was cheering and there were so many people there and cassius clay was just shocked and he then then the, the wrestler i forgot who the wrestler was but the wrestler looked and told cassius clay he's all sometimes man he's all people will just come just to see your mouth shut He's like, so, and then like from that point on, like then he kind of embodied that that advice that came from a professional wrestler that was able to kind of generate the the audience, right? You're able to kind of like, yeah, there's people that believe in you for that stuff, and there's also people that don't, and they're willing to come here and pay either way, right? Yeah. And you're using yeah. that, and I think that's like a lot of things what we're dealing with now. Um, is like looking at a lot of like that, like a YouTuber will have like a thing. And what like the, the, the thing that's scary, like especially right now is that everybody's expert on COVID-19. <laughs> Everybody is. And then I think that's, that's the problem is that just because you're just because something gets like, just because somebody with a million followers says something doesn't mean it's true. Just because like, just because somebody that sings really well tells you this is what needs to happen. Doesn't make it, real right it doesn't make it real yeah. good advice and that's what i'm saying is that we're looking at a lot of people that have the courage to be to be to have self-exertion in what they say and then confidence in what they say and then works and then other people that are not as confident are are taking that as wisdom and i think that's a huge problem right now in society and um like <laughs> that being said i <laughs> i like i don't know anything so don't take anything i say i'm just saying I'm just saying to think about it, right? Think about it and then make your own decision. Um, but I think that's like a lot what we're, what we're dealing with here is trying to kind of just stop and think, um, especially when we're a part of tribes because we all are all a part of a tribe. doesn't matter what it is, if it's family, consumer, um, you know, uh, city loyalty, state loyalty, uh, you know, country loyalty, all these other things. doesn't matter what it is. Sometimes we just got to stop and think. Yeah, and which takes us to where we're gonna like gonna go next. How do we take that those tribes and do positive things with it, right? Like, how do we create space where we're making positive social change? And the, how, how, like, and that's then that's yeah. And I would lo like I'm looking forward to having that conversation as well because it's it's difficult. Like, we're looking at the idea. We can look at how um, things look at like looking at not only just what we, what we talked about today but also looking at how those things can be used for good and bad and then sometimes we're looking at how something can grow into something um that you have good intentions for and then eventually we look at the same quote where we look at the same quote where you know power corrupts but then absolute absolute power absolutely corrupts and it, and it seems like it's always going to be that way no matter what, if you have the power of it and you have the power too long, eventually it does corrupt you and then you end up doing selfish things with it, you know? And I think that's like where, I, like, that's where the intentions starts out here and goes a totally different way until you don't even realize that's where it went. What do you think, Tal? Um. <laughs> <laughs> 
Sounds Sorry, like I'm, 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 it sounds like I'm playing Mario Kart right now. <laughs> there is actually, you asked earlier what video games you're playing. Um, there are some new Mario games coming out. They're just <laughs> HD remasters, but they're not out yet, and I'm not playing it right now. I just tried to process because we went, we went, you know, from just going over basic ideas of how in some ways corporations manipulate us right. um, by using our natural um our not necessarily our natural ability but our natural inclination to to group to be part of tribes um and how they use that to market how they use that in some ways for good in some ways for bad um and it's it's something that goes beyond marketing and it goes beyond what we even notice, you know, going through these implicit bias, these unconditional, unconscious decisions that we make, these split second decisions that we make that later on we can then categorize and say like, oh, it's because of this. It's because this person, I recognize them as anti-mask or this person, you know, is a Dodgers fan or something like that. Um, and I think that in the grand scheme of things, you know, Spence, you brought up families and really tribalism is another word for that. It's just an idea of family. You either have your immediate family, you have your extended family, but you have different levels and it's a sense of belonging to this group. Um, and I know we keep bringing up sports uh, and the reason why we bring up sports is because it's the most profound and basic example of tribalism. Um, but one thing that I do want to bring up is from an article I read um, for the Association for Psychological Science. And in this article, there's a quote from a professor of marketing who stated that you know, the reason why sports has fanatics, the reason why they are able to market so well is because of this sense of community that it brings. Um, and that as human beings, our sense of self doesn't change easily, nor does our role in a family. We make connections. And when we make these connections, they tend to be long lasting and they tend to be strong. And that's the reason why it's so hard to break from these biases. It's so hard for us to even recognize that we're doing these things. And it's the reason why someone like me, who isn't a huge sports fan, can watch the World Series and say, fuck the Dodgers. I want anyone else to win. <laughs> um, but also uh, another thing that I read in an article that just proves why we keep going back to sports and why it proves how strong these tribes are is that um, when you're watching a sports or a sports, a, a sports game or match, you are watching something where, you know, whoever it is that you're rooting for, it is guaranteed 50-50, they win or lose. No other form of entertainment it, would you actually go to something where there's a 50% chance you'll be happy or sad. You're not going to go and watch a movie knowing that there's a 50% chance that you're not going to like it. Like nowadays we go on Rotten Tomatoes and we look at, is it fresh or is it rotten? Um, and the only time you watch a rotten movie is usually if it's really, really rotten and you just want to know exactly how bad 
Pats is. And then you go and watch it. Um, and that's just how strong these bonds are that you're willing to pay money to spend hours watching something, knowing that there is a 50 50 chance you're going to be miserable or you're going to be happy. That, that actually makes a lot of sense. And like, like on the side, unless you know, like the side variables that you have money on. You're, oh yeah. Then you're an instant fan, no matter That's, what. Um, and like, there's still a 50-50 <laughs> chance there. Yeah. Like, then you don't have to be a fan of either one, but you're a fan of money, and then and there's money on this side, right? So you're a fan for that day, um, which is obviously a big deal too. Um, no, but that does make a lot of sense, and that kind of clears it up because, like, when you look at sports, it is there's that happiness and sadness factor that obviously has an emotional. Um, connection right you're like like if you're looking at that emotion then you're looking like if you had a crappy day um this can make your day way better <laughs> then also the, on the opposite then the, on this on the other side of it, it can make your day double worse so so it's kind of one of those things and i think like um yeah that's uh, that's kind of like the the whole tribal aspect of things is uh, I, i've had i've had people i know people and I've known people that are so invested in sports that it would ruin their whole entire day, you know? So, um, you mean Ian? Yeah. Like, or Ian <laughs> or anybody else I've known that it would, it would just ruin, it would wreck their whole day where they were, they were so angry. There was no money involved. It was just purely based on their devotion to that team, you know? And then, and, and how it could just, it could wreck their whole, their whole well-being um and then that that's where we're like that's when we know like what we talked about before is just trying to separate yourself knowing yeah but they'll, they'll like if you're that invested maybe we'll come back and win the next one doesn't have to ruin your whole entire life you know but the, obviously that's not gonna it's not gonna change for some people regardless yeah. of what i say um but I think that for for our for the for the sake of being better than who we were yesterday, it's one of those things where you just want to think about it. Like, is, is, is some of these biases even worth it? Yeah, and well, th that's the other thing with sports, and that's the thing that always keeps people coming back. Is there's always next season, there's always the next game. Um, <clears throat> and in terms of our next episode, you know, and exploring how these biases and these tribes can extend beyond things like marketing, beyond, you know, seemingly harmless things like sports. Um, it's this recognition that the reason why it's important to know about these biases is unlike sports, <clears throat> sorry, my voice is going out. Um, unlike sports, not everything has another day. Not everything has another game, another opportunity, another chance. Um, and we need to be able to recognize when we're making decisions based off of a pure gut feeling and whether or not that's right or wrong. Um, and sometimes those gut feelings are right, but it's still better to think through our decisions because they can have huge impacts. Yeah, I agree with that. So like, especially when you bring about like what Spencer's example of family is, those things can actually be detrimental for huge periods of time, you know, kind of based on those those tribal decisions and aspects of your life that you can make a decision. And then that decision is something you have to live with forever, you know, and then um, and, and then our family members or brothers and sisters and you kind of stuff like that. Yeah, really quick. There was actually something from earlier that I was curious about. Yeah. So. 
knew you said, you know, obviously from your art, you are a huge Converse old school style um, fan. So, you know, in terms of marketing, obviously Coca-Cola use markets markets more towards that aesthetic. So are you more of a Coke person or a Pepsi person? <laughs> I, don't, I don't drink either one of them anymore, but cold brew. But yeah, I'm, I do drink my coffee. Um, uh, and I, I would like, so I, would, I think Spencer would be proud of me. And I think Tao on some level that I've, I've been sober for a good amount of time now. So it's really, I'm very proud of that. So, Co so, coffee wise? Uh, no, whiskey rise. I quit. Oh, drinking, nice. So um, yeah, <laughs> so I'm very, I, like I was a pretty avid whiskey drinker. So Does that like, mean I don't have to drink anymore at Comic-Con? Because right, yeah, well, I only we'll ever I'm drink at Comic-Con. I'm going to try to keep it going. We'll see. You know, it's one of those things. I'm not perfect. I'm not a perfect human being. So, um, but, uh, you know, back in the day, I would I would say that I'm a Coca-Cola person. And I think I, I think like, there's a lot of, uh, there's like, like you said, like you look at how I am, there's this natural thing of what I subscribe to tends to be something um more old and more original so i tend to go for things from um i try to look at the things that i like i try to go further back to the person that first did it and i tend to kind of gravitate towards them because i, I there's this weird i i tend to like like i like I, I like history i like researching i like innovators and i like dreamers um so i tend to kind of go for the first right so um i so i tend like if you like you bring up Converse, I do like Converse. I don't like the Nike owns them, but I do like the idea that like I do like the idea of Converse, meaning that like that that there's something about that style of shoe that was able to last throughout from nineteen 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 through where we are now, um, without very little change aesthetic to the design. And the fact that that, that thing went from you know, dip through all these things from like the, the nuclear family to like newsboy kids on the street to punk rockers, to hip hoppers, to break the, the B-boys to um, more just like the general hipster that we are today. We're looking at how these things kind of can 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 ha this has this perennial style that can last throughout time. And for me, I have a lot of respect for that. Um, I think that's where we look at Coca-Cola and I think Coca-Cola has that as well. I don't think like, I don't think here in America, we're going to be like, it's not as if Coca-Cola and soda is not as huge as it used to be, but I don't think Coca-Cola is going anywhere. Right. <clears throat> so I think like when you look at my aspect of things, it tends to be more um, old school inspired. I just like to try to give it a more um, current, a current face. Um, Meaning, I try to make it as more uh, postmodern as I can um, for a new generation, and I think uh, uh, that's what I've always liked about stuff like that, and that's what I continue to do. If that, I, I hope that's what I think that answered your question. So you did. Uh, <laughs> so Spence, are there any marketing ploys you've fallen for? <laughs> I mean, I fall for, for a lot of marketing ploys, usually like technology-based stuff. I mean, there's a company called like Hyperice. And they, um, I mean, like the, the massager, right? Like personal massager, cause I'll run and do other things. And sometimes I'm just like, like my, I do very little self care. So I did kind of went in for that. Um, Does it work? but yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's helped out. And then I also went and got these like leg massagers. It's called, um, uh, what are they? It's, but yeah, it's 
the Normatec, right? And so you there's like these boots that you put on your legs and it like massages out your legs. And <clears throat> yeah, that that's pretty nice as well. It was a little pricey. <laughs> but but yeah, and like I mean I, I'll jump on things like that. Like I check out that like one wheel, right? It just came out where it's like oh like a little kind of motorized um battery powered wheel that you kind of just roll on like a skateboard. Um I've checked kind of checked and looked into that. Um, I haven't gotten it, but I wanted to, but I'm like, <laughs> I right. go, well, I got so, the, I got so trendy, chirp. trendy stuff like that. I got chirp for my back because, you know, I'm always hunched over like on a computer screen or a drawing table or like these things where I'm constantly, uh, like hunched over. Even when I'm standing, I have a, I have a standing desk and I, I still hunch over to draw. Right. So it doesn't even matter that I'm standing and it doesn't matter. Uh, so I have a lot of lower back pain, but I did, the, <laughs> I did the chirp thing and it is, it is pretty awesome. <laughs> totally works so. what about you what about you tell these are kind of like these are this is a good offering section that we have going on right now <laughs> um well anyone who knows me knows i'm disney obsessed and you know hence why i spent 30 dollars to watch mulan um but specifically like i love going to disneyland even though it's like a six six and a half hour drive i used to go at least once a month just to go for like breakfast and lunch, like just half a day, drive all night, get there to the park, ride everything once and then drive home because I had to get back to the pets. Um, and, you know, that really thinking about it probably goes all the way back to being little and watching TGIF, ABC, you know, it's a Disney owned channel um, and they would do things like they would have TV shows like Full House go to Disneyland or Disney World and they would just have this, you know, the normal shenanigans, but they would just make the entire thing seem so magical. And growing up, I was too poor to go to Disneyland. And the other thing is, you know, my family was very different from the families that you saw on TV. And I always wanted that normalcy. And so growing up, I think Disneyland had always been a fantasy of something that I've always wanted. Um, and it's funny because my family, they don't really care that much for Disneyland. They just think it's all right. They think it's overpriced. Maybe the corn dogs are good. Um, and I tell them all the time, like, no, it's amazing. And like, I enjoy it every single time. Like, you can't tell me it's not great. Even if there are long lines, even if it is 90 degrees out, like I will happily go and just sit there if I really have to. Yeah. So like, uh, cause Tal, I remember Tao came down for a show to help me out. I think it was, uh, what, what show was that? Was it San Diego? I think so. Yeah. It was last year. Yeah. Last, like, year. last time we went, I remember we stopped off and, um, like on the drive, I, I we stayed in, um, uh, Anaheim and then Tao talks to me and they go to Disneyland. <laughs> so, and I had a guy and the, like, you know, I'm not like I like there's the same thing, right? I think like, you know, Spence you Spence, I don't know when the first time you took the boys to see go to Disneyland or I took the girls to see go to Disneyland. There is something like super magical about um especially when you're growing up. When I was a kid, I I grew up on um a rural rural place and um so that kind of thing was just like unheard of. And I remember my parents took me to that, um, to Disneyland with my brother and sister. It was, it was pretty much amazing, right? I think everybody has those, those things. I think my daughter will say the same thing or Spencer's kids will probably say the same thing. There's something really, it really is magical about going to that place at the, when you're that, that age, right? 
So, and then, uh, and then I think they're, they're like, even why I didn't want to go, like, I was like, ah, oh, whatever, I'll go. And then I'll go, I'll go. But then I actually enjoyed it. Tao loved it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was just, I was just like, yeah, this is cool. I'll walk around. Yeah. I made him stand in line for <laughs> the, um, what is it? The Millennium Falcon ride. Yeah. And this is this to make it even worse. It wasn't just like an entire day at Disneyland. Like we were getting there maybe at three o'clock. Most of the day was over. You still had to pay full that. price. I think it was like I think it was like five or six, and you and you, we were gonna pay full price. I think I had yeah, a credit. For, I, I think because for some for some I had a credit, and you were like, I don't want to want to pay full price for just a few hours, and I think you did it anyway. Yeah, I did it anyway <laughs> because I hadn't gone in a while because we had actually canceled our season passes or our annual passes for a bit. And so, yeah, I think it was maybe two, three hours max. And it was in the summer. So obviously it was crowded and a lot of things you have to reserve. So it's not like we could have done a lot of things yeah. anyway. Yeah. But the fact that I was in Anaheim, I was like, I have to go to Disneyland. <laughs> yeah, Tao loves Disneyland. So like, so we look at like, so when there's a tribe, like uh, we're looking at Tao being a BTS army tribe and also <laughs> disneyland tribe so like now it'd be just a matter of putting them together and making like a super oh, tribe yeah. right <laughs> just have just have k-pop yeah i'm disneyland. pretty sure those i think those k-pop land away, so i don't i don't imagine it's far off uh, situation thank you again for sticking around and checking out tribes take two hope you enjoyed it again we want to feedback from you or share your tribes at hermesrepair.com or our Facebook page would be a great place to start those conversations. Thank you for your time and have a lovely few weeks. Check us out next time. And you can always find us on HermesRepair.com. Take care. Learn from your experiences and explore beyond your boundaries. Music by... Quest Eons, produced by DJ Crumb, production by 